Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet. I'm a mom to two boys, a middle school teacher, a homeschooler, and a writer. Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, episode 41. So we've got some awesome books this week, and I cannot wait to dive into it. But first, what's happening, Margie? It's school vacation week here. We have this like wonderful thing in New England. And now I learned from my students that are in Seattle that they also have it on the, on like in the Pacific Northwest does it too. Yeah, we have it here. We're supposed Do to be We never had that before. Yeah, I know. We never had it before either. I don't know when they started it, but. It's a hot new trend. So we have a week off in February for pres- that week of President's Day. So we just started that. Of course, I only have two of those five, uh, five days off and the other three days I have to work, but I will be spending my two days driving back and forth, you know where, to soccer. soccer. No. To soccer. Yes. No. Yeah. I have, my little guy is a goalie and he is in a goalie camp. So that's what we'll be doing. <laughs> so yeah, it's great. But yesterday was good. We got to go. We went to, um, there was a new Turkish market that opened. <gasps> In, yes. in Boston. So of course we had to hit it and then dropped, you know, a giant chunk of change on Turkish food. So we could all feel like we're at home again, which I always wondered, like, you know, there's like when I, bef- long before I had a foreigner, um, <laughs> I always wondered like, wow, do these, like, what are these markets? Like these, you know, like you see like European markets or you see like Asian markets. And I'm like, do they really just make enough money to survive? Uh, yeah. Because every single person from that country that lives here wants to go seek that out to get their comfort food, mm-hmm. which we did not have when I was an expat PS. Only the military had like uh, American grocery stores were only on the military base and they wouldn't let you in. So yeah, we didn't have anything like that. As a Midwest farm girl, I always go to all of those. I took my son to them when he was little. I mean, we hit as many as we could and ate all the different cool foods we could find. Oh my gosh. I love Well, those there's that places. really good one in, in, in up by the mall in Indianapolis. That really good Asian one is huge. I used to go to that one all the time. Yeah. But um, this one was great. And you go in. It's so nice because like you go in and there's Turkish music blaring. Yeah, and you're like, it. oh, say that. You know, like, you know, the music. And then you can actually have conversations. And it was really funny because after this, we went out for took the boys out to get some lunch. And we were in Brookline at this Turkish restaurant and my husband's, you know, obviously my husband's ordering in Turkish. And then she was like, well, turns to me and goes, what do you want? I answered her back in Turkish because the menu's in Turkish, for God's sakes. And my husband turns to me and starts translating. And even the woman just looks at him and he goes, she goes, your wife speaks Turkish. And he was like, oh, right, right. And then the woman was like cracking up. She's like, your wife is speaking Turkish to me. I'm speaking Turkish to your wife. Why are you translating? <laughs> Who are you translating for? <laughs> and she was like, oh, right, right. And even the kids are like ordering in Turkish. And I even the waitress was like, is this man nuts? Is he nuts? Does he not notice? Is Does he, not he never noticing talk this? to his family? Does he not understand? <laughs> We're all sitting there ordering in Turkish. And he's like, oh, that would be the eggplant. And I'm like, we all just ordered it in Turkish. Yeah, we know. We're down with that. I'm like, you know, I lived there for three years, right? And then the woman was howling. The waitress was utterly howling. She's like, wait a minute. You lived in Turkey and he forgot? And I'm like, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I speak Turkish. I lived in Turkish. The kids are learning Turkish. We are all fine. We know everything on the menu. You don't have to explain anything to us. This is literally like, I'm literally Turkish by default. And he was like 50 shades. Everybody's like, yeah, that was really dumb. I'm like, yeah, girl, that was dumb. 
And then she could not stop laughing every time she walked back to our table. She would talk to him in English. She would be like, are you okay? And then she talked to me in Turkish and we were howling. It was fun. It was really fun. But I was like, seriously, are you translating to me? I speak this. Like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It was fun. It's always fun though, because you get like, when you go to the uh, Turkish restaurant or I'm sure it's any other, you know, like any other ethnicity Uh and you see like, plain old white people struggling through the menu you're like mm, I could tell you what to order what you might like but it's more fun to watch just you struggle to try to say the words like um I saw so saw. Like, yeah I'll take number 14 yeah point yeah, you just point yeah, yeah I always good. figure as a as a non whatever when you're in one of those markets you just get what you get like it's not gonna right. kill you it's probably gonna be wonderful try it. just try yeah. it yeah the problem is you can't remember the next time like i want that I thing that had the peanuts but it tasted like fish <laughs> yeah. yeah that thing and they're like yeah go away whitey what are you talking about but it was funny it was really good and uh-huh. it was fun and it all started because we've been watching i found this new show i love the taste made network and i found this new show called big hoss <laughs> Sounds like something you'd be like, yeah, I got to watch. <laughs> I got, of course it was. It's this huge British guy who's Turkish and he sits in his back garden in this like crappy little back garden in England and he makes Turkish food on the grill. Mm. And you see him like he goes in and he's like using his like his mom's kitchen to do it. And but he's and he's got this sort of very kind of cockney like accent. But he then he switches to Turkish every so often. It's on the Taste Made Network and it's fabulous. And he's hilarious. And then he drops things. He's got the I mean, he's got the mouth of a trucker. So that's probably why I love him. <laughs> but we're all obsessed with it right now because he's really funny. And there's this very specific dish called Lama June. And he was making Lama June on the grill. And it's like kind of like a tortilla that's got meat on it. And you put lemon juice and Mm. and parsley and onions inside and roll it all up. It's so good. And he was making it and that was it. Then my husband has been on it. He's like, we need Lama June. We need, we got to find Lama June. So that's what we were looking for. And now we got some. So I love it. Lama June. And then I had a nice Turkish coffee and I haven't Mm. had one for so long and really well made. And I'm like, damn, it's an addiction. And now it's Mm -hmm. coming back. So this afternoon I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get out my Jevis. I'm going to make myself some Shekheri Turkavese and be like happy as a clam. And then I'll be flying high for the rest of the night. So it'll be good. (laughs) Gosh, that sounds wonderful. It was so good. And then my little nugget was drinking the Turkish coffee. And my husband is like, don't let him have that. And like, you you realize that this child literally takes like more ADHD medicine than anyone. This is nothing for him. Right. <laughs> it might nothing. have the opposite effect on right. him actually it'll point. probably work better he'll probably sleep on the way home <laughs> awesome so what's new in indie well i was just thinking about uh markets because my son you know is obsessed with language and so he figured out that you could probably find native speakers at these markets right and so and i always used to love to go to like the mexican markets and stuff like that and you know of course we've been in the asian one but he found a Russian market because he was trying to teach himself some Russian. And God bless him. I wish there was a French market. We've been to like almost every French pastry shop in the area <laughs> to see if there's any French speaker. And actually, we went to one on the south side, which I think I mentioned on the podcast before. And they weren't, they were Spanish speakers, but they said, oh, come back because there are French speakers that come in for the pastries because they were that authentic. So we have to go back there to try that. But so he moved on to Russian and he went into this Russian market. And of course, mostly only Russian speaking people go in there. Right. And so they were a little like leery of Plus your son doesn't like he's so pale and like he could not look any more Hoosier. Like he's such an Indiana looking kid. And you're like, hmm. and it's oh. like, and what is a kid doing in here? But then they started to like, like to see him because he was practicing his 
Russian and they got into it and they would teach him new stuff when he was in there. For a while there, he was going like once or twice a week and he would just bring back whatever random thing he bought while he was there. It was really fun. So he brought back some like amazing, these, oh, these chocolate covered marshmallows were my favorite. They were so good. So yeah, it was pretty fun. You're totally right on the money. P.S. Looking for French because you should look for an African market. Oh, that's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah. It's so funny because you can tell they know they can like, at least in the Turkish markets, they recognize a brother and they immediately (laughs) switch to Turkish. The minute that you walk, if you look at the guy, like, you know, you, you have a question and even I will automatically assume that you should not be speaking that I should, like, if I have a question, I will start in Turkish because I mean, that's what we're here for. It's, it's funny, but you, there was, yeah, there was a couple weeks, there was one little boy who was running rampant. And then when his mom yelled at him, you know, whose name he had, he had the same as my little Satan. (laughs) And then we were in the restaurant and there was another little boy who was like running rampant, like a nut job. And of course, what did his name, they yelled at his name and they said, this is the same name as my little nugget. He goes, is this like a bad kid name, mom? And I'm like, looks like it. <laughs> if the shoe fits. I was like, well, oh, there's I... clearly something in that name. Hilarious. Well, you know, in Viking culture, they named kids after people they hoped that they would behave like or become like. My child's named after Kubla Khan, for God's sake. That's That's what I was just saying. So maybe uh, you might have made a little tiny mistake there. I did. I should have researched that one. Here's a note to any of you expectant people out there, people that might be having children. If you're going to name your child, you're going to research the history of that before you go crazy on that. If If you're not going with just a plain old John or Susie, you might want to do a little more nigging, especially if you're doing it in your second language, things can go awry. (laughs) Oh, but anyway, so now you have a whole nice pantry full of Turkish food and everybody's happy and um, everybody's like ready to to like bask in the joy, but see, you know, and then we'll watch Turkish soccer all week because that's what happens on break. And yeah, in our world, this is normal. Like this bicultural life that we live has always been this bicultural life that we've lived. But some people, like some of our friends are just like, you watch, you watch what? Like my little guy will be like, no, I was watching, I was watching Turkish soccer before I came to soccer. And the goalie's name is, you know, and he'll go on and they'll be like, wow, this is weird. You know, you, you people are weird. Well, we are, but in a good way, it's normal to us. All right. Well, should we get this show on the road? Yeah, let's get started. All right. So welcome back. I know we both raved about our books this week and we were texting madly about how we loved our books, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's under wraps. For once, I raved about my book and I didn't tell you a single thing, which is shocking because you know I'm not a good secret keeper. And you didn't tell me about yours, which is shocking. So I just thought it was so good. That's all I said. I know. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear. You're so good. I don't even know what the name of your book was. So let's go. Okay. So our topic this episode was middle grade books by African-American authors. And I was like a kid in a candy store this time. I could not pick a book. So that's probably why you didn't know what my book was because I, I had like so many on a list that I couldn't choose. I mean, there were tons of like fantastic new books and debut authors, which I love to highlight debut authors. I mean, it was just like really hard, but I settled on A Girl in the Lake by India Hill Brown. Mm. Yeah. I saw pictures. Look at me swigging my coffee as we did that. I've seen pictures of this and I've read like, this is supposed to be fabulous. Okay, go, yeah. go, go. I'm okay. so excited. And the covers are awesome. You would love Creepy. The, the cover yeah. is creepy. Yeah. 
that. And this is her second book. The first one was a forgotten girl, which looks so fantastic. Is this like a two-parter or they no, totally huh? separate? they're separate. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like Lindsay Curry a little bit. So there's horror genre. They're in the horror genre. Oh my God. You're so brave. So this just came out in January of 2022. It was so good. Okay. So the girl in the lake is a ghost story set in modern times about a girl who visits her grandparents at their house on a lake along with her brother, Owen, and two girl cousins, Capri, who is like the two cool older cousin, and then the younger cousin, Daisy, who's very old-fashioned. Oh, my gosh. She loved black and white movies, and she knew all the starlets, and I was like, you know I love her. I was like, you. I know. I loved her so much. What a great way to describe a character is old-fashioned, because that really made it set her apart, you know, so Mm -hmm. it was really cool. Anyway, so the main character is Celeste. And Celeste has one problem about staying at the lake. She can't swim. And in fact, just before she left, she had failed her swimming test that she had taken at the end of her swimming lessons. I know, poor girl. And so now she's spending the summer with her lifeguard grandfather and her swim. I know her swim obsessed grandmother, who both grew up during the time of segregation and public pools and sort of the horrible history and the legacy that that left behind um, from those times. And so they both feel really strongly that each of their grandchildren should swim. And there's a little bit more family history that goes along with that. But so while she's dealing with this fear of swimming, Celeste is also confronted by these weird phenomena that are happening in the house. Okay. So she sees a light in the attic, despite the fact that her grandfather is taking the light apart to fix it. Okay, stop. No. Yeah. Stop. And her family thinks they've talked to her when she's been nowhere near them. She's like, no, we wait, didn't have that they, conversation. They, it's like Celeste is like the ghost. So wait, listen. So then she finds a picture of someone who looks just like her. And it turns <gasps> out to be her great aunt, Celestine, or Ellie for short, who Celeste is named after. And they look like exactly alike. So it's really kind of creepy. And Ellie died when she was a kid, but the grandparents won't tell the kids how she died. They won't talk about her other than to say that Celeste looks like her and acts like her and all this stuff. Okay. So soon great aunt Ellie is haunting Celeste (laughs) and the other kids too, but I don't want to give away too much of it because it's such a cool story. Um, But I do have to say like after reading Lindsay Curry's like scratch scratch and wait till Helen comes by Mary Downing Hawn, I think I might've been broken a little bit because this book didn't scare me as much. That's that's good though. That's okay. I mean, it's okay. So it definitely had its moments. Like the ghost throws shoes out of a closet and like hovers in the attic window. And there's like all these creepy things that it does, but the main character kind of throughout always explains them away. And then she also gets blamed for some of the stuff because the ghost looks like her until towards the end. It's always sort of explained away or like, you know, kind of not made such a big deal. Like we're in scratch scratch. That girl comes home with a ghost and she knows she has a ghost. Like, you know, so it's scarier and same with Mary Donning Hawn. Like there's that creepy the girl unexplained phenomena yeah Yeah. little girls like talking to someone yeah it's really creepy but my point is like it's not too scary for sensitive readers but like me (laughs) right and it didn't scare me because i thought this isn't really scaring me i'm surprised because i scare very easily but the scare factor did not matter in this book because it was about so much more than the ghost story it was such a cool story there's like the cool historical aspect of the segregated pools and all that information was so interesting and even modern times going to the pool, the author at the end has this awesome explanation of why she chose this and how she never learned to swim and how she was hoping like while writing this book, she could learn to swim.
them and how like black families, because they didn't have access to pools, they didn't learn to swim. And how can you teach your kids something that you don't know? You don't know how to do. Like, yeah. So it becomes this huge generational thing that keeps getting passed down because they just didn't have access to it at one point. And the way this family chose to deal with it by making sure all the children learn how to swim, I think is really interesting. It's because Aunt Celeste drowned, didn't she? Shush. Don't okay. give it away. I can tell. That's what's so creepy. I don't want to give it away. Drowned in that damn lake. That's what happened. Oh, Lord. So the book really was about fear because each of the kids had something different they were afraid of. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so it was really fascinating um, watching them like learn to face and conquer their fear. And that was really the best part of the whole mystery of figuring out who the ghost was and what was happening with the ghost because they were also figuring out what was going on with them. I love a little self-reflection. Oh, it was so good. I mean, this and this story, it was pretty quick read. It was it wasn't very long. Um, So I definitely think like even lower middle grade, because like I said, it wasn't so scary. And I don't know. I looked on the reviews and that was the main thing. They're like, this book didn't scare me. And I'm like, okay, well, every book doesn't have to scare you because everybody has levels of being scared. And I think like like for a more sensitive kid, like could read this book and get a lot out of it and probably even still be scared a little bit by it, like for fun in a fun way, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I really like this book. I love the concept that she looked exactly like the aunt and that's so what's cool. so creepy. Yeah. That, okay. So years ago when my husband and I first got married and moved to Turkey, I found this picture of, I swore it was him with a bride. And I was like, what is this? Like, seriously? you've been married before and he's like that's not me and I'm like (laughs) I'm looking at this picture I'm looking at you that is you and then as I started to like look at more of the pictures I realized that they were all in very 70s clothes which you Mm -hmm. know that could happen in Turkey at any time p.s just saying it's eastern Europe they're a little behind and I was like what is this and it came to find out his uncle my husband's uncle is exactly like him and he goes my mother's like my grandmother my great-grandmother always called me by his name His Mm -hmm. name was Erdogan and they always called my husband Erdogan. And he was like, that's not my name. Why do they call me this? And, and he said, I guess he looked like him from the time he was like a very, like all the way he always looked exactly like him. And then irony of all ironies, he had a crazy weirdo death that no one could ever quite figure out that he died really young. And so his grandmother then just transferred, like he died at the same, in his mid thirties, at the same time that we moved back to Turkey. So his grandmother then was just like, Oh, this is totally. And he was married to this artsy, fartsy, sassy broad. Like it's so (laughs) weird. (laughs) It is weird. Yeah. It is super crazy. So I love that concept because you really do sometimes like there are, sometimes you have those weird family resemblances where you're like, Mm -hmm. is this, is this just like repeating? What mm-hmm. is this? So yeah, I love it. I love that. That's great. Oh, I'm going to put it on my list. It was really cool too, because it made it more about the family, you know, than like this bigger story of swimming and everything. And oh, it was just so well done and so interesting. And this is not her first book, right? No, I the first one was really popular. So I'm sure this one will go down too. I'm sure kids will like love this book. Yeah, it's everywhere. I've seen it a lot of places getting some good press, which is awesome. Awesome, yeah. Awesome. And so this one, did I say when it came out, just came out in January this year. So yeah. it's brand new. Definitely a good one. Put it on my list. To me, I, one of the things I loved about almost all the stories I read by Black authors was they are weaving in this amazing, rich history. Same with that, my book. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. And I love that because no matter where, when the story is set, if it's, you know, whenever it's set, there's all this really interesting history there already. So I love it. Like I was reading the part, rereading the Parker and Harris 
inheritance because I love that story. Yeah. And same thing. I mean, it's set in modern times, but the kids are set on this mystery that's based on things that happen like in the 50s and stuff. And so you're getting this really amazing history while you're reading a modern story. Anyway, it was a good love one. Love it. Awesome. Good one for awesome. realist, realistic fiction. It kind of reminded me of Doll Bones. Do you remember when you read that one? By, I yeah. think it was by Holly Black. Um, it was kind of like on that level because that one could be creepy and scary too, but it was really more about the adventure of these kids were on of figuring out who they were. And so that kids that's love a, creepy though. Oh, I know. I, I don't think. Yeah. So if it scares me, I know it's probably perfect for middle grade. But yeah. <laughs> so this one, I think you could definitely give to like a third or fourth grader, too, because it's an easier read and it's not quite as. Or a 49 year old woman who's scared of everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, when the shoes are flying out of the closet, I got pretty creeped out by that. <laughs> I was like, and, and they would look at the wall and there would be like shoe prints all over the wall, even though like only one shoe had flown by. Oh, it was nice. so creepy. <laughs> that was I like it. I like it. All right. That's on my list. It's going right. on my list. Okay. So what about you? What'd you read? All right. So I bought this book, I think last year at the Unlikely Story Bookstore, you know, where we like to go, the home of the wimpy kid. And I picked this book up because for one reason only, because you know, I always judge a book by its cover and it had a really great cover with a fat girl on the front. And I was like, mm, that's for me. I love a fat main character. So I read Some Places More Than Others by Renee Watson. And I think it's important that Renee Watson, if you want to tell me any story ever, just call and talk to me because you're an amazing storyteller and I want to be your BFF immediately. She's on the Franzia list. Unfortunately, she does live somewhere in Oregon. So it's going to take us a while to get there, but we'll go with our lawn chairs and we'll sit on her front porch and drink Franzia while she comes home and we'll cheer her every day. And um, this is the exact book that I needed. And I think that everyone needs this book right now. So this is realistic fiction, but finally, unlike so many realistic fiction, it had very little drama. And that's exactly, it was just about people learning who they are and accepting people where they are and meeting people where they are. And it was so beautiful and it was so beautifully done. Oh, I cannot even go on. It's a, it's a quick read. It's a beautiful, easy read. It's got short little chapters that you could just sit down, have a moment with Amara, who's our main character, and then just sort of walk away and be like, all right, I'll be back, Amara. I'll see what you're doing soon. I hope things mm-hmm. are okay with you. Like you really loved her. You absolutely loved this main character. Amara is, is a black girl who lives in Oregon. She comes from a very well you know, like kind of a well-to-do family. Dad is a Nike exec. Mom is a dress designer who has her own boutique. And they're just like a happy, great little family. And we soon find out that after like several, several years of miscarriages, Amara's mom is finally pregnant again. Amara's 12. But before the baby comes, she really wants to know, like she's got questions now. She's older now. And she and her dad are very tight. But she and her mom are, they're okay. They're not like super tight. It's like she's, her mom always says, well, you're just so much like your father. So her mother's very, very girly and foo-foo. And she's always, you know, making her these dresses and everything like that. And Amara like would rather go to the Nike store with her dad and get the, the newest Jordans and just sort of like wear jeans and Jordans and hang out. Like that's more her speed. Um, she really loves to read books and she loves to just sort of hang out with her friend Titus and that's sort of who she is and her and she doesn't always connect with her mom so she wants to know more about her father's side of the family and why she connects so much more with her father Um, and she's never met her cousins because they live in Harlem she's never met her grandfather and her grandmother died on her the day she was born at the exact same time that she was born so she doesn't know anything about them her one auntie has been to visit But her aunt's the only one who's ever come to visit. And she hasn't brought her daughters because she can't afford to. And then their father is in prison. 
So there's a lot of layers to this. And so there's also a lot of resentment when she does meet those cousins, because here's this girl that's the same age as them. And she's very well off. And they live in this tiny little brownstone apartment. And she's got a dad who adores her and takes her on cross-country journeys. And their dad is in prison. So there's a lot Mm -hmm. of layers going on that are unspoken. Uh This really works super well. So she tries and she tries and she tries. And her mother says that she's not hard enough for New York. She can't go to New York because she's not hard enough. P.S. I would say the same thing about some of my kids sometimes, (laughs) too. I'm just saying. 100 um, percent. I would say the same thing about mine. If you've been there, you know it. If you lived there, you know it. Um, that's how it is. But eventually her mother was kind of getting worn down. Titus, whose father is also a friend of theirs, Titus's dad kind of and mom and dad both kind of convinced them that it's time she should be able to go to New York. And then luckily enter the English teacher because it all comes down Aww, to the English teacher. Right. So the English teacher gives this amazing project where they have to fill this. They get us. They have to get a suitcase and fill it with their family memories. Mm. And they have to be able to explain their life in the suitcase. And the suitcase project is kind of what her mom is like. Okay, fine. I love this project so much. And her dad's going to New York for the all-star game for Nike. And her mom is says, okay, you can go. And it, cause it's school vacation week, just like here, right? Perfect timing. I, I also want to backtrack. This is from 2019. So it's not a brand new book. And that's the one thing that stood out to me. I'm like, yeah, in a post COVID or in a pre COVID way, you can see the differences. And it's sometimes it's a little jarring. Cause she's like on the subway and you're like, wait, did you have a mask on? Like you kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing how much our world has changed. But the story is still the story. So anyway, so they go to New York. I should also add that her father has not spoken to his father since his mother died. And her mother says before she leaves, if you're going to go, you have one goal, and that's to get them to talk. Who puts that on a 12-year-old? Who's like, who puts that on a 12-year-old? Like, oh, you have to mend the relationship. Who else would figure out how to do it than a 12-year-old girl, though? But still, I agree. So it's basically this wonderful trip of she goes and she meets her grandfather. And her grandfather, very early on, reveals to Amara that he really screwed up. And he never met his father, her father, where he was. He was in his, her father, her grandfather was a professional basketball coach. And his, her father was really into poetry, like more like his mother and less like him. And that was just a giant butting of heads for them. And the breakdown all came because he wrote a poem for the mother's funeral and the father wouldn't let him read it. And he never came back again. And 12 years later. So yeah, father's sons are complicated relationships. Right. It's just I can't even talk about like how great this book was because there's no like, oh, lost in the woods. Somebody's going to get killed. None of that. It's just a beautiful sort of like she does one dumb thing. And she quickly rectifies it. And there's no real drama ensued. The best part, can I just say the best part, is that she is a fat main character who not once ever talks about being fat. Yeah, that's And nice. there's never this like, oh, poor me, I'm fat. No, there, it's not mentioned. Except for on the cover, it's got a lot of press about her being a fat character. Um, She never talks about it. Her mom makes her dresses that fit her figure. That's what we talk about. And I love this character with all my heart. She loves to eat. Everywhere she goes, she's like, well, I'm going to get the chicken and waffles. She and her dad have this whole like this whole thing where they go on the days that the Nike outlets open just for employees. They go get McGriddles and they sit in the parking lot and they eat their McDonald's and then they go shoe shop and they have all these rituals that are like, and I love it because it's just real. And she's not sad because she's fat and it's her mother doesn't hate her because she's fat. Her father doesn't judge her because she's fat. It just is. She is who she is. And that's who it is. And it's not important, which I think is so (laughs) important in a middle grade book. Right. Especially in this world. And you love her and you can't not love her. And 
I mean, it's just such a great book. Her her grandfather takes her on this like black history tour of Harlem and you learn so much. I learned so much. She takes her to all these great places. But the way that it's explained in the book is like he's explaining it to Amara. So you get it from Amara, which is so cool. Like it's not a luxury kind of thing or anything of that. You're just like, it's, she's learning about her history and she's learning what it's like to be in a in a world that's not like what the world she comes from, because she's one of few black, you know, one of a few black kids in her school, oh, as sure. opposed to her cousins who are in all black schools. So experiencing that world is really interesting to her. And I, again, like talking about this whole bicultural thing with my kids, I think that's so refreshing because kids like my kids too are the same way. Like mm-hmm. they, you bounce between worlds, you bounce between, you know, different cultures, different languages, different worlds or whatever. And sometimes you just want to know what it's like to be immersed in the other one because you're always immersed in one. Right. Um, and it's it's interesting for them. And I notice, like even my older son now, he kind of gets a little twinkle in his eye when we are in like an immersed in a Turkish world because he's like, oh, yeah, this is the other side of me. And I remember this. And it's nice to be here, too. Just like it's not not that I prefer one over the other. It's just nice to do both. Same with Amara. She wasn't like, I prefer one over the other. Mm-hmm. It's better this way. I just I'm part of both and I need to understand that and I feel happy in both. Mm-hmm. It was so good. It was just so good. And it explored this whole like father-daughter relationships and how and you know like and for me not having a father really that mm-hmm. you know or having a father that died when I'm like Amara's age that really like struck a chord and I'm like this is beautiful. Like I wonder like this is so this is what it's like. You know it's it's interesting for for people that don't have a father or don't have a close relationship with their father to see that they, there are these kind of father-daughter relationships that are very equal and very mature and healthy and it was such a good book. I'm just I love you Renee Watson. I love you. I just I can't love her enough. I mean, this book was so good. So what was it called again? Some places more than others. And I have to show you. Can you see it? Isn't she adorable? Oh, she is adorable. So cute with her pink scarf. And that was my favorite part too. She's like, well, her mom packed, she packed her clothes and then her mom came in and repacked her clothes. She's like, you're going to the East coast girl. You're going to need layers. You need (laughs) leggings under your jeans. You're going to need a scarf. You're going to, she's like, no, no, no. She's like, you don't even know what the East coast is. like." (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I hear you. I I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So (laughs) it was so great. It's such a good book and everyone just needs to read it. I just feel like everyone, if you need a good story that just makes you feel like at peace, really just Mm -hmm. makes you feel at peace. Like, Oh, it's wrapped up beautifully with a bow. There's such a level of understanding at the end that of everybody. And especially the sort of like journey of self-discovery. And then like, I couldn't love Renee Watson more. She does it to me. You know what she does? You know what she does? She puts lesson plans in the book. Oh, wow. I mean, come on now. How kind right? is that? <laughs> she puts lesson plans for the suitcase project in the book <gasps> and how to do idea. it and reproducibles. I mean, I this woman is a genius. She's a Newberry Coretta Scott King Award, all of those. You know, she's no she's no schmuck. She's been around for a long time. She's got another one called Piecing Me Together. That's I think that's what oh, we want yeah, her for Newberry. Mm-hmm. So she's got a lot, a lot out there. She's just brilliant. I mean, she's just she she knows my soul. I feel like <laughs> Renee Watson, you and I, we're meant to be together. We are going to be, gonna we're going to be living the dream. <laughs> I know if she did, if she lived, I'm telling you what, if she lived like on the Cape, I'd be at her door right now. But of course she's a sensible woman who wouldn't be out here in the middle of this hell hole, in the freezing cold, with snow pouring every day. She's no dummy. She's on the West coast because she's brilliant because she's just brilliant. And you know what? I didn't look at anything. I did not look up one single thing about 
what people said about this because I just didn't care because it's beautiful and it was happy and it made me happy. And I didn't want to know. I didn't want anybody to yuck my yum. I was like, I love it. I actually did read a second book too, because like I said, I couldn't choose. And I felt the same way. Because you always do me wrong. You always make me look like a slacker. (laughs) Whatever. You got two little ones. Mine's, you know, it doesn't need me anymore. So what was your second one? Because after this, I just want you to understand that you need to go read this book. I know you don't like realistic fiction, but you have to go read some places more than others. And you need to fall in love with Renee Watson. Like I'm in love with Renee Watson and you will. Okay. I believe you. I will definitely read it. Okay. So speaking of the Franzia list. Okay. I read Root Magic by Eden Royce. And let me tell you, Eden Royce. Is she going on? Oh, she's going on the list for sure. I will be stalking her 100%. (laughs) Root Magic came out in January of 2021. And I had it in my to be read pile, but I just hadn't gotten to it yet. And so I was like, I'm reading it for this episode for sure. And I could not put it down. Oh my gosh. Really? Yes, it's so good. So Root Magic is set in 1963 in South Carolina with the Gullah Geechee family. Hello, you had me with that right there. For people who don't know, Gullah are, you know, they're African-American people who who live along the uh, southeastern coast, mostly, I think, like along the Mm -hmm. sea islands in the United States. They have like developed a Creole language and they have a culture that has strong ties to Africa. I've always been fascinated by their history and everything. It's just so interesting. And also there's Gullah language sprinkled throughout the story. Oh my gosh, I love that. As you know, like I did that. You're such a lingual nerd. I know, I love that stuff. I mean, I did that in my story. I put in um, Norwegian. I just I just love when books do that because I think it's such a great first introduction to other cultures is to have some language. And then the other thing is food and food had a huge starring role well, in the story. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was so hungry. I was finishing it this morning and my stomach was growling. The food was like, sounded so good. Um, So that was really cool too. Both of those things are great ways to introduce cultures. So she's already got that in there, which is amazing. And anyway, so Root Magic is about Jezebel Turner. And at the beginning of the story, she's uh, 10 at the beginning of the story, but um, her grandmother has just passed away and she was really close with her grandmother. Like she kind of held, she was sort of the matriarch of the family and she kind of held everything together. But at her grandmother's request, Jez, uh, Jezebel and her twin brother, Jay, are to begin learning root work, which root work is the magic. Oh, I think I saw this book somewhere. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's so good. So the, I, I might've even talked about this one before. I think you did. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, but I might've pr- promoted it. But um, so the, this is the magic that their family has passed down for like generations. They're like in the story, they talk about how it goes back like 200 years or more. And their uncle who's nicknamed doc will be teaching them after school, the root work. Their mom's a little bit not on board with this because she had learned it when she was little, but she didn't want really anything to do with it. And then it's her brother who's going to be teaching the kids, but the grandmother really wanted them to learn. So they were supposed to learn, especially the grandmother said, if I pass away, I want them to start learning. So they're honoring that and they're teaching the kids. I mean, I love magic. In any story. And so that was another thing that was so cool because it's such a different kind of magic. Yeah. So interesting. Oh my gosh. So good. I will say like uh, the book had sort of a slow burn at the beginning. I don't know if you want to call it that. That's usually what they use for romance, like slow burn, but it was kind of like the beginning was more about the time period and the family and this lifestyle. And like they a had. lot of backstory. Yeah, but it wasn't, but it didn't feel like boring or like waiting to get to something. And honestly, I really kind of appreciated it because you got all of this sort of 
normal stuff out of the way before you got into the supernatural stuff. So I felt like it was really, and in the super first supernatural thing that happens is uh, Jez has this doll that her grandmother gave her before she died. And the doll like basically comes to life and runs. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I hate dolls. And now you bring them to life. I hate them more. It was so funny though. It almost, I almost like was, I actually was laughing because I was like waiting for when things were going to kind of turn magical. And then that was the first thing. And it was pretty funny. I was like, okay, this is hilarious. I mean, it gets crazy after that and scary in some ways, but it was just the best possible kind. Like it was so fascinating. So, and her doll's name was Dinah and she has a whole relationship with her doll for the rest of the book. That is so good. Not to mention the story just has so many layers. So Jez and Jay are missing their grandmother. So they're kind of mourning that loss and their mother and their uh, uncle are too. The whole family is, even the whole town is because she was the one that used to do work the root magic. And she had all these spells and people would come to them, you know, for medical help, for help with problems they were having. Some people would just come and talk to them for advice about their lives or how to, you know, when they were mourning, they would come visit them. So they were sort of a staple on this island community where they lived. The family's mourning that loss. And then also Jez and Jay's father is not in their life. And it seems like there's sort of hints that he disappeared under mysterious circumstances, but you're not sure because mysterious circumstances. it could be that he just left the family, but then you're they they have really happy memories of him. So it doesn't really seem like he would just like ditch the family, but their mom's kind of mad, but she doesn't really know. So she doesn't really talk about it. So they're dealing with that too. And then also um, they're going to school. Now this is during the time when um, school segregation was ending, but in South Carolina, they didn't really end it. But what had changed at their school was there were um, a lot of African-American kids who were going to private schools, kids who had a little bit more money. And then there were the kids who just went to the public schools. So what was happening is some of, in this area, in this story anyway, some of the wealthier black families were putting their kids into public school to support this new system that was, they were trying to create where there wasn't all this okay. segregation. And so they had these new kids coming to their school. So they weren't really dealing with like white kids and black kids together, but they were dealing with these different dynamics within the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Jez and her family were very from were considered very poor. They were country people who had a farm. And I mean, they had a nice life. They had plenty of food and all that, but they just, you know, compared to other people who had jobs in the city and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they were considered poor. And then, uh, and I say that because I come from a farming family and like during the depression, like they would have been considered poor, but they, they always felt like they were better off because they had food. They could grow their own food. Self-sustaining. Yeah, exactly. And so I felt like that's how this family was. They were very self-sustaining. But anyway, Jess, of course, is bullied by a girl one of the new girls at school. So she's dealing with that. And then she, there's also like this psychopath policeman who's been harassing root working families for years. And he'll just like randomly show up to frighten them at their house or search their house for things. The family's also dealing with that. This guy shows up randomly. I have to say though, like, it sounds like there's a lot of kind of piling on of all the bad things, but 
there are also like counterbalances of good that are woven throughout the book. So like there's a good sheriff who's out to get the bad policeman, for example, and just finds a friend at school who stands up for her to the bullies. And I really admire the main character's ability to find like hope in all these negative situations or bad things that were happening. Even when she was learning root magic, she was like, she didn't like the way they did some of the things where they would have to sacrifice an animal or something. And she was like trying to work around those things. She just didn't think that like she had just like this heart of a caretaker, you know? And so it was really kind of great to see everything through her eyes for the first time was so fascinating. This book, Root Magic, it was just filled with so many life lessons and the kids turn 11 and then everything gets even kind of crazier with all the supernatural stuff. But there's just so much life lessons for kids at that age in this book that I would highly recommend it. Any kid who loves fantasy, magic, supernatural, or kids who just like adventure stories. But I mean, come on, magical historical fiction. I don't even know what to say. Like that that's is like, like all of your loves in one. All of my loves wrapped in one up. Thing. Yeah. And this, and it plus it was just like new and interesting and oh, so fascinating. Is that a new book? Is it just out in 20, oh, 2021? Uh, this one came out. Okay. Yeah, it's a year old. It's It came out in January of last year. So it's a little over a year old. And it has like a beautiful cover and the kids are so interesting. And that's Root Magic? Root Magic by Eden Royce. And I will be stalking Eden Royce. <laughs> you have I, so much stalking to I'm, do. It's I'm so with hard. you. Like, God, how do we get the time? I would love to just go hang out with her and have like an awesome meal and listen to her tell me anything she wanted to tell me. I would just be like, I'm all ears. I'm sitting there like this with my chin in my hands and listening right? to everything, soaking it up. This book was so fascinating. I will say my only drawback was the chapters were super long. And so like, I never could be like, oh, I need to like go to the bathroom <laughs> or I need to like, can't stop now, I, know, right? I had to like, oh, have I got like five more pages to read? Oh no, like that. But it was um, really good. Oh, awesome. All right. Put it on your list. Put it on your list. Root magic. Perfect. So we're going to take a quick break now, right? So that wraps up our yep. stories. So we want to say we got root magic. We had girl in the lake and you had. Some Places More Than Others by Renee yeah. Watson. Okay, so check those books out. They're fantastic. And we will be right back after this break with some more What Will It Be? All right, for this week's Pick 6, we're going to gift you with another six more amazing books by Black authors for your little nuggets of love. So, Heather, what do you got? Can you give us a couple? All right, like I said, I couldn't pick just one, so I have so many books for this episode, so this is perfect. I have a couple more to share. Paradise on Fire by Jewel Parker Rhodes came out in the fall of 2021. Jewel Parker Rhodes is the author of Towers Falling, a book about 9-11, which I highly recommend. Ghost Boys, which was the bestseller, and many, many more books. Yeah, she's fantastic author. Um, Her newest Paradise on Fire is about Addie who lost her parents in a tragic fire and years later has now been sent to her by her grandmother to summer summer wilderness camp in the California forest where she learns new skills like hiking and how to start and safely put out campfires along with five other kids from the city, black kids from the city. Um, and so they're all learning these new skills. And then this devastating forest fire comes through and she and her friends need to use their skills to survive. I love survival books too. I did start 
start reading it a little bit. Um, I was sucked in right away, but I had to put it down to get ready for the podcast. So that's all it. So that one is Paradise on Paradise Fire. Paradise on Fire. Yeah. I saw Parker. that one too. That looks good yeah. too. The second book I'm so looking forward to, which isn't out yet, but it's uh, the, the Amari, second book in the Amari series by B.B. Alston. So excited. It comes out in August. It's called Amari and the Great Game. So pre-order that one now. And you did that book. You did the first one, right? Amari and the Night Brothers and a podcast. Yeah. We can link to the podcast on that one that we talked about the first book, which was Amari and the Night Brothers. So good. And this is now uh, Amari's year as a full junior agent. The first one, she was just learning things. And now she thinks it's going to be a breeze. But of course, you know, it's not. Also, I just read that the first book, Amari and the Night Brothers, is going to be a movie. Oh, really? Exciting. Yes. It's so cool. And then for my third choice, I have to include Amanda Gorman. I mean, since her inauguration upon the hill we climb, which I bought instantly, of course, I've been obsessed along with everyone else. I mean, everyone's talking about how amazing she is. And she has a gorgeous picture book out called Change Sings. It's everywhere. You can't miss it. It's so fun to read. I mean, her words are just so flowy and beautiful. And then the art is by Lauren Long. It's beautiful. It's kind of this bold, soft at the same time. It's very nice. And Amanda Gorman also has a brand new collection of poetry out titled Call Us What We Carry. And that came out just in December of 2021. So man, that's busy, very busy author. Good for her. Yeah. And so I know a lot of middle grade teachers are doing poetry. Yes, we are. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) So you might want to check that one out because that would be a great one to use in your poetry lessons. Okay. So now what do you got? You got three for us, right? I do. I have the first one is called uh, Take Back the Block by Crystal D. Giles. And it's it's is an interesting one. And when a developer makes an offer to gentrify this neighborhood, Wes's neighborhood, where he's lived his entire life, everybody, the adults are all at odds. Some want to sell, some want to keep it, some want gentrification, some don't. So Wes decides to be the master of his own destiny and he takes care of things to save his own neighborhood. And that's Take Back the Block. Looks good, right? Yes. This uh, second one I'm totally reading and I cannot even wait. I'm so excited. I know, right? It's Star Child and it's a biographical constellation of Octavia Estelle Butler. And, you know, Octavia Butler is a amazing sci-fi Afrofuturist genius. And this book is told in poems and stories. So I'm looking forward to that one. That is Star Child, a biographical constellation of Octavia Butler. Um, And the third one is When the World Turned Upside Down by Kay Ibura. And this is a tale of friendship during COVID. So these books are starting to hit the scene now. So this, when the schools close down and the world stops, a group of kids soon find that their apartment building is actually full of people that need their help and that if they work together they can actually see change that happens and then that kind of ties into their work in the protest that came after well after the George Floyd. So that's a really interesting one coming up too. And that's when the I'm about halfway down. through that book and it's so good. It has like a really diverse cast of characters and it's really fast. Oh, you're reading that so, one? Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, oh, I'm reading it. Just for are. fun. Who has time? <laughs> oh my God. Who has this kind of time? All right. <laughs> Cool. So those are my three. Okay. So what's on deck for our next episode? I don't even know. I didn't look. What are we doing? Oh, we're doing a wild card. <laughs> so you could do anything. Oh, it's a wild card. Okay. No theme, no rules, just something that's in our TBR uh, piles. So I have been, this is a brand new book and I, I, I'm hoping it arrives in time because it's been on my list of TBR and it's not like, I don't know what my obsession is. I know what my obsession is. It's because it's my life, but my <laughs> book is the super villains guide to being a fat kid by Matt Wallace. So I'm so psyched about this. A fat kid decides that he's tired of the bullying. He's tired of all of the crap that comes with being a fat kid. So in order to figure things out, 
he goes to visit a supervillain in prison to find out how to take things into his own hands. So that's it. The supervillain's guide to being a fat kid by Matt Wallace. But that's what's on my deck. And I can only read one book at a time because I uh, am busy. <laughs> I'll read one next time. I know. I, I just had a hard time picking this time. So I'm going to read Alone by Megan Freeman. And it's about a, a sleepover that turns into a nightmare. Stop when... with the scary books, man. <laughs> I like fat kids well, and farts. And you're like, I'm going to read about murder. Well, this is a survivalist story oh my God. It's about Maddie, who wakes up to discover she's alone, left behind in a town that has been evacuated and abandoned. And she and her dog... This is why I picked Oh, I've seen this. Yes, yes, yes. This looks good. This does look good. And it's also in verse. Can't wait to read it. You know, I love a book in verse. All right. Well, I'll be reading about the fat kid and you'll be reading about the girl surviving. Go for it. Yep. Sounds good. All right. That wraps up this episode of Tulip Mamas. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review and share us. We'll heart you forever. Unless that's a bad review. Then, you know, (laughs) we'll probably come to your house and it'll get awkward. And so it's probably just good for you to leave a good review. And if you want to join us twice a month for Kidlet Discussions, please subscribe to the Tulip Mamas podcast or any of the places you get your podcasts or follow our blog. That would also be wonderful. Thank you. Oh, so, and if you want to find out what's happening in our world, I'm such a space cadet. Obviously, I need a Turkish copy this morning. Um, if you want to find out what's happening in our world, you can follow us on Instagram. Two Lip Mamas Podcast is what uh, who you're looking for. T-W-O Lip Mamas on Facebook. And of course, on our website, www.twolipmamas.com. Have a wonderful week. I hope you all have vacation week too. Yeah, thanks for listening. Enjoy your vacation. Bye. Bye.